All right, all right, let's find our way to our seats. Find our way to our seats and we'll get started. We'll get started. Good morning. How are we doing? Good to see y'all. Uh, I got a couple disclaimers up front real quick. Uh, number one, it is good to be with y'all this morning. I, this is the second time within uh, a year that I've gotten the call on a Saturday morning uh, and been given the, uh, the 24-hour treatment of saying, hey, you're up tomorrow. Uh, and so I've had 24 hours uh, knowing that I was going to teach today, so bear with me uh, a little bit. But it is not because Taylor's having the baby, so just go ahead and save that right now. Uh, John is sick. So John is out sick. Uh, this is not some 2020 way to reveal that the baby's been born, right? Uh, John is legitimately sick, uh, and it's a serious thing because, obviously, with a newborn, literally the due date was yesterday, so the newborn uh, baby is whenever we're ready, we're expecting, they're, um, they're very ready for him. Wait, yeah, the baby to be born, sorry. Uh, and part of that, though, part of the scary part of that is obviously John being sick, uh, the home kind of been, Lily's been sick this week, so we really do, if you ask, if, I, I would love to, if you would join me in prayer as we pray for John and the Omquist family, uh, just that God would heal uh, that household um, and uh, make sure that that is uh, ready to go so that when Taylor does go into labor, um, it's a safe place to come home. So let me pray for us real quick and pray for John. Lord, I pray, Lord, we lift up the Almquist right now, Father, as the expectations, the excitement, the preparation that's been coming into, um, Lord, Taylor having the baby. Um, I'm sure that their nerves are um, just everywhere. They're all over the place. I'm sure that, Lord, as the expectation and excitement comes, Lord, that sickness is the last thing that they thought would hit, the last thing that they're thinking of. So, Father, we do. We lift up the Almquist right now, Lord, that your healing hand would be on their home, um, Lord, that their um, sweet baby, Lord, would, would come home uh, to a safe place and a healthy place, Lord, and only by your hand would you do that. Would you restore the health uh, of Lily, of John, and also, Lord, we pray for a safe delivery uh, whenever the baby decides to come uh, for Taylor. And so, Lord, we do. We, we thank you, uh, Father, that we do have a Father that we can trust to do that. And so we trust in you, Lord, to heal that family. We love you. Amen. Amen. So y'all are stuck with me today. <laughs> y'all good with that? So I'm going to start off, I'm going to start off with a story. I was a freshman in college, uh, and um, I moved, I trans, or sorry, I started at Dallas Baptist University, uh, and so I was at DBU, and it was like a whole new world, right? I was a freshman in college, no more high school, I'm in college, I was, I was getting to play baseball, I was meeting a lot of new people, I mean, it was, it was incredible, right? And my whole world just, I mean, my, my whole life just changed, I was like, I'm growing right? I'm growing a lot in my faith. I'm growing a lot in friendships. Fill in the blank. So I was just high on life, baby, all right? I was high on life. Think about that person in your life that you're, they're just excited about everything. They're excited about waking up, which I don't know many people that are like that, but man, if they're excited about every little thing and then multiply that times 10, that was Garrison Price as a freshman at Dallas Baptist, all right? I was just excited about life, everything. So part of that was I thought I had a lot to say. I thought a lot of people needed to hear what I had to say. So what do I do? I email the president of the university, and I'm like, hey, all right, listen up, Dr. Cook. All right, I have ways that we can improve this university. All right, I have ways that I can improve, that we can improve this school. We're going to be truly a city on a hill, like that whole deal, right? So I email him, okay, I send it, uh, and actually I do. I do get to meet with him. So it's spring break that, that he has an availability, and I'm on campus because of baseball. So everybody else is pretty much gone, other than my roommate. He, needed, he was taking a spring break class. 
So that's big, okay? So I have a meeting at 9 a.m. in the middle of the week, and I oversleep my alarm. So it's like 8.45, all right? And I'm literally just, oh my gosh, here we go. So I'm up, I'm, I'm rushed, I'm cra- you know, I'm really, really rushed. I can't be late to this, like this is my shot, right? So I'm getting up, I get dressed, uh, I get the whole deal, and I'm trying to be quiet my roommate, while my roommate is sleeping, and I just bust out the door, right? I, I head out the door, and I make it right at 9 a.m., okay? Pretty much now, uh, that was a foreshadowing of how my daily life goes. <laughs> anyways, uh, so anyways, I, I walk into this meeting with the president, and I'm like, listen, you know I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's got to know who I am, that whole deal. And uh, he, you know, I walk in there and he, we sit down and I'm like, here's what I have to say. This is the ways we can improve this and improve that. And I'm just, I'm living the high life is what I think, okay? So I'm sharing all this with him. And uh, when he, when I, you know, when I stop with the, so many important things that I have to say, uh, he starts to talk and, uh, and he's like, hey, thank you for all that, right? Uh, now here, let me explain why these things probably can't happen, and, and also why, hey, I appreciate you coming in here. While he's sharing with me, I look down and realize I have two completely different shoes on. <laughs> so I have two completely different shoes on. I mean, I was walking out of, that, out of my, my room on my way to my meeting. I mean, I got my slacks on. I got my blazer. I got my presidential fit. You know what I mean? Like, I am ready, okay? And I walk out ready, and I realize I have two different shoes on, and I just look like Everything I just said does not matter, right? Like, completely goes out the door. I'm a clown, all right? What am I doing in here? And the president, and he, Dr. Cook, sees my face, and he goes, what's, what's wrong? Like, I see something's wrong, and I'm like, uh, nothing, no, sir, nothing. Yeah, we're all good. And he's like, is it that you have two different shoes on? <laughs> and literally just, I mean, right there, just laid it on me, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, man, welcome, Garrison, you know? And I'm like, this is me. Uh, so... Man, I legitimately, though, like, it was a humbling moment, obviously, uh, and uh, I'll never forget that. But he was gracious enough to just laugh. Honestly, we laughed about it, and he, you know, he didn't make me feel too bad as I left, uh, as I left his office. But here's the thing is I, I remember thinking, right, thinking that whole time that, man, I have something to offer you. Like, I, Garrison, right, have something to offer this university. Like, I am significant because of what I have to say. I am significant because of the ways that I think I can change this university, right? I was living high, and I don't think some of it was in wrong intention. I think some of it was good, but the majority of it was how I was dressed, was how I was presenting myself, was saying, man, I, you need to know my name. And I was searching for significance in the wrong places, right? And I think it's just only a very humbling thing and a great, honestly, I'm so glad that happened. I really am. I'm so glad that I had two wrong shoes on because it brought me down to earth level of like, and it helps me explain this today and even have clarity in my mind as I teach on this of like, man, thank you for bringing me back down to earth. Thank you that my significance is not in the clothes I wear, what I was presenting, what I thought I had to offer in who I am. Does that make sense? Now, as I prepare this, or as I'm even speaking on this, I think about ways that I do that today. I think about ways that we do this today is I have to try to prove my significance because of fill in the blank. So I've just kind of come up with a few. I am significant, okay, because of the job I have. I am significant because of the dollar amount I have at the end of 2019 of that year. I am significant because of the relationship status I have 
whether the attraction of my girlfriend or the attraction of your girlfriend or, um, or your wife or your husband. I am significant uh, because of my influence for those on those around me. I am significant in the house that I own, in the apartment that I own, in the things that I have. You see, we try to find our significance in all the wrong places, but we're all on that search. Where are we trying to find our significance? My bank account, relationships, my marriage, my friendships, fill in the blank. You see, I'm here today, uh, honestly, as, at 24-hour notice, John just said, man, teach uh, what you taught recently. Maybe teach something you've been learning, teach something that you taught recently. I taught this very message on Wednesday at New Braunfels Christian Academy, all right? And so I got to speak at their chapel, and I got to teach on this, and their whole purpose was, man, I am significant. That was the kind of the key phrase that they're having all the guest teachers speak on. And so I'm just going to teach what I taught there, but here's the thing. Don't use that as a tune-out. This is extremely applicable for all of us. And the reason I even get to teach on it, and I'm excited to, is because it's extremely applicable to my life. And so I want to know, man, what does God, like, if I, I, I'm sick and tired of this. If y'all, here's another disclaimer. I'm sick and tired. I really am. Of followers of Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in this room, I'm sick and tired of this, and I'm sick and tired of it in my heart. That I look to my significance or trying to find my purpose. What's my purpose in my life? Oh, I'm just looking for purpose. You have been given a purpose. I have been given a purpose. My prayer today is that we learn together what that is and what significance looks like in Jesus Christ. I did not plan on saying any of that. But man, I'm so excited to teach this. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. It's going to be quick. We're going to hit some quick hitters today. But we're looking, man, what does Jesus say? Here is why you are here. This is your purpose. This is all that matters. And so we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. We're going to see as we read in uh, Salt and Light, about salt and light today, Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to see that we are significant because we are ultimately our goals or our job description, fill in whatever, however you want to say it, is what the world needs and what the world sees. So those two things, what the world needs and what the world sees, we're going to learn what those exactly mean. So uh, pick up with me, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Here's the setup. is Jesus is teaching the greatest sermon to ever been given in the history of mankind, the Sermon on the Mount. Here's why. Here comes this man, right? Jesus Christ shows up out of nowhere. The chapter before, he's being tempted by the devil, okay, in the wilderness, in the desert. He's tempted. He goes, he fasts during that time. And he withstands it on truth. And here he just comes. He's starting his ministry, his followers. His disciples are just now starting to follow a bunch of random dudes, fishermen, tax collectors. And here he is on a hilltop. He's sharing. It says that he walks up to this hill, right? Right outside the city. He's about to teach. And his disciples are right around him. I just kind of see it. uh, Is that they're just right in front of him. And then there's a huge crowd that are following him. Like, what does this guy have to say? What's amazing to me is the first thing that comes out of his mouth, as we read, I really encourage you to read 1 through 12 right before, but what comes out of his mouth is the Beatitudes, and it's not what people think. 
And it's actually complete opposite. Man, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then he picks up in verse 13. And this is where we pick up today. So read with me. Here we go, verse 13. He's continuing in his sermon. After the Beatitudes, he now says, man, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the salt of the earth. And so my first point is if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are in the remnant of God's people, you are salt, and you are what the world needs. Salt is what the world needs. Now, let me explain. Uh, I just think it's funny that the first thing that comes out of this man's mouth, right, and these people are all following him. They're all on this hill. They're like, okay, what does this guy have to say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Wait, what does that even mean? Then out of nowhere, this dude comes in, a carpenter comes up and says, hey, uh, you're salt, <laughs> right? Like, if I'm sitting there, I'm like, what? What are you talking about? This guy, he hasn't had any, like, who are you to be speaking in front of all of us? But they knew he had something to say, and here he is, like some magician, you know what I mean? Like, hey, you're the salt. You know what I mean? Like, what does that even mean? And I can't imagine a lot of these people around him following or listening to his talk, and then be like, dude, what is this dude? Like, get this man out of here, right? I would probably, I, I'm just speaking for myself, I'm probably thinking that. If you're like me when I hear, you're the salt of the earth, you probably think of this guy, right? So, yeah, if any of you know, uh, how many of us know who he is? Okay, all right, I'm about half the room. Okay, if you are over 30, let me tell you who this guy is, all right? So, in 2017, this man took over the internet by legitimately... <laughs> He would video putting steaks on a grill. Like, it would sizzle, you know, his whole thing. And who knew making, like, grilling steaks could be so appealing. Now, what's funny is that it just took over the internet. This guy's literal name was Salt Bay, all right? And here's the point. As he would video him, he owns his own steakhouse in India, I think. And he became a worldwide sensation because all he did was just video him putting steaks on a grill and really weirdly doing it, right? And then out of nowhere, after that, he would have a bowl next to, next to the grill every time, and he would grab a handful of salt and just do this weird thing with it right here, just like bounced off the forearm, you know what I mean? And after that, you know who started putting salt on their food like that right here, right? Everybody, I mean, I used to, I mean, I filled up Snapchats, I filled up Instagram, everything was just like another night in the kitchen, you know, like it took over, right? How many, any of y'all other, anybody else do that now because of him? All right, sweet. <laughs> it's a salt island today. Uh, great. Okay, well, um, come to dinner at my house. Yeah, we'll have a lot of fun. Uh, so, man, that took over, right? And I know it's a really, like, man, a comical way to show it, but man, he legitimately put a name to salt. He really did, like, in that whole thing. And that's where my mind goes, so bear with me. So the people are there, they're probably like, what is this guy even saying? And then I think, salt bay, that's just where my mind goes. And so what does he mean, you are the salt of the earth? Let's dig into it. So what does he mean by, you are the salt of the earth? Here's the point. 
Salt was used in, this message can be taught in three different ways, okay? I would love a showing of hands. If you, if you grew up in church or raised in church, if you at least even heard a sermon online on this specific talk, I'm sure you've heard a ton of talks on this. And as you should, it's extremely important. Number one, how many of us have heard a sermon where, man, you're supposed to be a seasoning? Have you heard that? Hey, salt is used as a seasoning. Yes, 100% correct. That is so true. We are supposed to be a seasoning to those around us. It should bring flavor to the life around us. God has put us on this earth to be different. Yes, so true. How many of us, by raise of hands, showing of hands, uh, have heard that, man, you are supposed to be a preservative, that salt is used as a preservative, and that's what we're supposed to be. Preservative, Yes, okay, a little more, a few more. Yes, so salt, that is 100% true. Salt was used then as a preservative to keep things fresh, okay, to keep things fresh for longer. And yes, you are, we are called as being the salt of the earth to be a preservative to the word of God, to the word of truth. We are called to be a preservative as the people of God, waiting on our king to come back. Yes, so true. I'm gonna teach us a third way. This is fascinating to me. So put yourself in their shoes. You're on this mountain, you're on this hill, you're listening to this guy talk, and he says, you're the salt of the earth. Here's the first thing I think that comes to mind for them. Salt was of the utmost value. Salt was extremely significant during this time because they got a lot of their salt from the Dead Sea, okay? The Dead Sea was, consisted of 35% salt, 35%. Okay, and you've seen pictures, videos of people floating. That's why it's possible, because of the salt content in this, in this lake, in this body of water. So the Dead Sea is 35% salt, and that's where they got a lot of their salt that they would use. In Palestinian culture, they would use for so many different ways. There were salt traders. It was extremely significant. So everybody in the crowd immediately tuned in. Everybody in the crowd hears them say, you are the salt of the earth. And uh, many of them were probably actually used, or did that for trade. Many of them were like, wait, that's my job. That's my well-being. That, provides, that puts food on my table. What's interesting about the salt from the Dead Sea is that it has extreme high, extremely high amount capacity of magnesium. Now, all the chemists in the room... Your ears perked up, right? Uh, wait, what's true about magnesium? It's extremely flammable. Magnesium is used as a catalyst in a lot of different chemical reactions, and specifically with the salt. And they learned this in that culture as they used it. It was extremely flammable. Now, why is that important? Because they would cook in earthen ovens. They would cook their food in these earthen ovens and underground, in the ground, and whether you use the salt not only as a seasoning, not only as a preservative, it was literally what brought it to life. It brought whatever, the bread, the meat, whatever they were using to light, they would put it in, uh, in little patties for fire chips. The salt from the Dead Sea, because of the magnesium, they use it in so many different ways. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, what he's saying is you are a catalyst. And what he's saying is you have been given significance. If you are following me, if you choose to follow me now, I've now given you a job description, a new title. You are called to be a catalyst to those around you. You are called to literally make the fire happen. You are called to bring life to those around you. 
salt as a catalyst. What? Everybody there is thinking like, wait, that makes sense. If salt has lost its saltiness, it doesn't just mean you just throw it out like Emerald Live. You know what I'm saying? Bam, and then throw some over your shoulder. You know what I mean? He means, what he's saying right there is, man, what use? So my question on this first point is you, body of Christ, are called to be what the world needs. It's extremely significant. Salt is. It's extremely valuable. You are extremely significant to the world around you. And I don't just mean the greater world where you're called to change the world and it seems overarching. What I'm calling you to and what I'm calling me to is to be the salt in your marriage. What I'm calling all of us to is be the salt in your families, in your friendships. It starts at your lunch table, students. It starts in your job. It starts with the one person that is looking, man, is just desperate for something to bring meaning and purpose. And you've been given that. You have everything you need through Jesus Christ. And so my question for us at point number one is, man, are you salty? Are we salty? Some of us have never known what being salt looks like because some of us don't know Jesus. Some of us, not only there, some of us have known Jesus, but for years have grown cold to this. Man, our hearts have grown cold, and we don't know what it's like to be salty anymore. Some of us are here this morning, man, just need to be a reminder, man, I've been trying to do this, and I'm exhausted, and what I say is, keep going. Be the salt. You are the salt of the earth. Don't let it lose its taste. Get after it. You're what the world needs. Moving on, okay? So um, you are what the world needs. Salt was extremely significant. You are now called to be extremely significant. Point number two as we move on, okay? If we read with me, verses 14 through 16. Now he says, okay, so salt, he's just got one verse and people are locked in. Salt is extremely significant. Here's his next point. You are the light of the world. So he's called them two things. You are salt, you are light. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay. Jesus, what are we saying here? We got, you're the salt, okay? We just figured out what that meant. Everybody's locked in. The next, you are the light of the world. You see, they know exactly what he's talking about. He says, man, just like you wouldn't put it, like that it would light up the house, you wouldn't put something over it. Here's what he means. Some of these people that are in this circle, I would say all of them that have a house at that time, knew of what he was talking about from that morning. They wake up before the sun, before the sun rises, right? They're up early. They were likely to put a lamp or a, um, sense, a source of light in the middle of the room on a stand because they didn't have electricity, all right? So they put this light in the middle of the house and it lit up the whole home so they could see where they're going. I'm guessing they were stepping over their kids or, man, just stepping over things, trying to find their way throughout the house before they go to work. I can imagine them putting this, thing on a, th- this light on a stand as they eat dinner together the night before. Here's the thing I love about Jesus. And the more I've gotten to know him through reading his word, the more I find this to be so true. Not a single word of his fell flat. 
Not a single word of Jesus' was wasted. So when he says, you are the light of the world, he's not saying for us to just like, oh, I'm supposed to shine, you know what I mean? Like this like cheesy way. What he's saying is, you possibly are the only source of light to those around you. There are people all over us walking in extreme darkness. And if he has been giving you a description, Jesus gives them a description saying, you are the light of the world. You wouldn't put a basket over the light in your home. You would let it shine for all to see. I think about, man, I think about so many different examples. Think about a lighthouse. Like, man, without lighthouses, imagine just how many ships are crashing into the shore because they don't have no idea on a cloudy night, on a rainy night, they can't see. The waves are making their ship go all around and without a lighthouse showing that, hey, you are approaching land, slow down, be careful. Without them, ships would wreck at an extreme level. I think about, man, I think about a specific movie scene, okay? Movie, a Western called True Grit. And there's a scene that I remember about this, okay? Jeff Bridges, at the end of the movie, is sick. This is the new version, all right? Not the new version. So uh, Jeff Bridges, okay, is sick. He's sick, and he's on the back of a horse, and a young girl is trying to get him to safety, and it's snowing. They can't see anything, and flurries are just all over. She can't see anything, and all of a sudden, she sees this little light flicker in a window of a cabin out in the distance, and all she knows is, I just got to get there. If I can just get there, maybe we'll be fine. And when I think about this, when Jesus shares this of saying, man, is there a light on in your house? People all around us, man, and some of you in our families, in our homes, in our friendships, in our jobs, wherever you find yourself regularly, are looking frantically for some source of light. We do this when we look for frantically for some sort of significance. We do this on a regular basis. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Here's the awesome thing about this is that as Jesus teaches on this hillside behind him, it's the holy city of Israel that's on a hill. And so when people are listening to Jesus saying, you are a city on a hill, they are seeing it behind him. As they're looking up, they see the city behind him. It's a perfect example of what we are called to be. You are what the world needs. My second point is you are what the world sees. Now, how? You are what the world sees. Now, how are you a light of the world? It says right here, let your works be known. If you are following Jesus Christ, follower of Christ, he's given us a job description. He's given us significance because of that, only because of that. Not what I can have to offer others, what I have to offer him. Because of his sacrifice, I am now, and raised on the third day for my sins, and me trusting in that with my life, I now have significance, only because of him. Now, what he says is, you are the salt. Now he says, you are the light. That is the only place my significance can come from, in yours. What are we doing about it? 
Does our light shine? I think about this in my own life. And I think about days that, man, I just am like, I struggle with this. I struggle with this because I, I don't naturally just wake up in the morning. I don't naturally go about my day thinking, man, I, like, I just want to be a light, right? I'm trying to be a light. I want to be salt. I'm not thinking like this all day, like I'm just salt in God's hand. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think any of us do. Uh, maybe you do, and man, keep going. I encourage you, and help me learn that on a daily basis. Push me to do that. But I think about this in my own life, and I'm like, man, I want to be that. Like, push me. Give me significance. Challenge me. Jesus, you already have. Make me do this more. Make me be more like you. I want to be salt. I want to be light. I remember when I was, uh, it was 2016, I was a senior in college, fast forward four years, uh, I had been very much humbled since then, uh, but man, I walked through a really hard stage in my life. I was battling with depression, I was battling with a lot of sin, and just coming out of a really sinful part of my life, baseball uh, was done, I was done playing, I was injured, like a whole, it was just a, it was a rough time in my life. I remember getting invited to a church up in Dallas. I didn't really want anything to do with it, to be honest. I was tired of it, I thought I'd heard it all. I remember visiting and a couple people uh, seeking me out in a meet and greet time, seeking me out and seeing me in the crowd, and they're like, man, I want to get to know you. I'd love to just know why you're here, man. I'd love to know, like, I want to know more about you. And so I start talking with these guys, and one of these guys' name is Joey Tisdale. I actually saw Joe this past weekend, one of my best friends to date. But here's the thing about Joey is he honestly kind of made me frustrated at the beginning, right? He honestly kind of intimidated me in a lot of ways because he was so all in on Jesus, his life was different. And I knew that I hadn't been living that way. So honestly, it was intimidating. I was annoyed by him. He was, he was a strong athlete, former college athlete, good looking guy. I was just intimidated. I remember when he taught at a, uh, and fast forward a couple months and I still wasn't sure how I felt about him. I remember when he taught up on stage and he shared Man, at a, a membership class that I was just somehow at, I just showed up and was like, what do you got to say? And I remember feeling that in my heart and then seeing how we got after it and how even membership, man, he just started going in on why the local church was the hope of the world, why it changed his life. And he was passionate about it. I saw his humility. And I, then that intimidation, God softened my heart in a way, revealed to me my insecurities and revealed to me, man, I want to be more like that. That guy's getting after it, and he's not, he's not masking it in anything. He knows he has nothing to offer but what Jesus has offered him. I want more of that. Joey was a light in my life. Joey, used, God used Joey in my life to be the city on a hill as he's up on stage, and at once I was intimidated by, and then I was like, man, I want to be more like him because he is going after Jesus the way he's single, the way he's getting after it, faithfully, and I started to meet him, man, and spend more time, I started asking him questions, like, man, why are you the way that you are? Only because of what God has done, only because of God's grace was he that way, but man, God had given him a new job description and given him significance through Jesus Christ, and he was living out of that, and it was attractive, and I wanted it. I wanted to know more. I thank God for Joey Tisdale. Now we're boys, now we're good friends, and he's a goon 
right? Like a goon. And I love that dude to death even more because I'm like, man, you were real. It makes me want to follow you more. Help me follow Jesus better and stronger because of you, because I know him on a personal level. Joey Tisdale was a light in my life. And so as I finish, I wrap up. What do we learn? Salt and light. You are significant. You are significant. You have been given significance, not because of anything we have done or the money you have or the job you have, the job description, the college you went to, the ring you wear, whatever, or don't wear. Our significance only comes from Jesus Christ. You are what the world needs, and you are what the world sees. Amen? Salt and light. You are what the world needs, and you are what the world sees. Notice the lights are going out. The lights are going out. Some of us in this room, this is what our life looks like. We've been living in this for too long. We've been living in this. I just want to sit here. Maybe this isn't your life. Maybe, maybe this isn't your life. I say praise God if it is. I want you to know the light of the world in Jesus Christ. John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. I give freedom to those who seek me. I am the light of the world. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is where you're living. And God is saying, man, I don't want you to live there anymore. I sent my son to destroy this. I sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die for this feeling. Now, if you do know him, some of us are living in this. Fading away from God, man, not really taking it seriously. I don't really, you know, I kind of grew up in this. There's not much light going on in our hearts. There's maybe a small flame, a small little flicker. What God has offered through his son, Jesus Christ, is the light of the world. Even a small lantern lit in the center of the room. Well, <laughs> yep, there it is. Garrison with two different shoes. All right, so the center. <laughs> Stay with me. Stay with me. In the center of the room, and many people, as you leave these doors, many people in your own home are living in this darkness right here, and this is just what they're used to. And we are given significance through Jesus Christ because of his death and resurrection on the cross, saying, I've given you new purpose, new meaning, new significance. Go and be the light. There are people in our offices. There are people behind counters. There are people that are serving your food. That This is what they're living in. And Jesus has placed us here for a reason and for a purpose, the greatest purpose you could ever have. Let's stop asking, what's my purpose? What's my significance? You have been given a significance. Garrison Price has been given significance by being the salt and light of the earth. If your house, if your life is a house, what's the light look like? If your life is a house, is there a light? in the middle of the room, flicking, flickering for all to see. It's shining bright. They say, man, come, you gotta hear about this. And it doesn't just stay in the home. That's what's beautiful about this, is that this comes with you. Everywhere we go, we are called to be the salt in the earth, or salt in the light. 
of the world. It's time to follow Jesus. It's time to say, I'm banking my life on this. What do we have to lose? God, I want to be used for you. I want to be the salt, a catalyst. I want to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Who's with me? Amen? Amen. It's time. In New Braunfels, I can't wait for this city to be turned upside down because of the power of God using this room out and about all around the city saying, man, you got to hear this. This changed my life. And it starts in our homes. It starts in our friendships. It starts in our community groups. And I leave you with this. Ask your community group. Here's your application. Ask your community group, man, am I salt to those around me? Am I leading y'all astray? Am I leading others astray? Or am I leading towards the ultimate light of the world? And here's the thing, community group, you are doing them a disservice if you are not telling them honest answers. It's conviction to me and my guys that are sitting over here in my community group that don't love me well enough, or I'm not loving them well enough to say, hey man, let me point you back. It's time to get after it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Lord God, we do. As I even just close in prayer, Father, I lift up the Almquist again. Father, I pray that you heal John. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of life and the excitement, Lord, of a new baby. I thank you for that, Father. We lift up the Almquist right now. Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, as the Sermon on the Mount, Father, as Jesus is teaching in Matthew 5, that we would be sons and daughters of this truth, that we would truly be salt and light. May you make a difference in us, and not us looking for one or looking for opportunity. May it just be about it. May we be about your business. And I say that with a serious tone because I'm ready to get started. I want to keep going. Help us be the salt and the light, a catalyst, Lord, in a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I thank you. May this be our charge as we leave these doors. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity it is always to open your word and learn from it. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week of worship. Uh, We are so glad you're here. We love you. Have a great week.